Let us go to God in prayer. O God, I promise your word made flesh in Jesus Christ is trustworthy and true. By the power of your Holy Spirit, may it rise up in us this day like a gift from the spring of the water of life to refresh our thirsty souls. Amen. Our first reading from this morning comes from the book of Revelation. It's Revelation singular, not plural, as many believe. Uh, chapter 21, verses 1 through 6. You can find it on page 1085 of the Bibles in front of you. Listen for what the Spirit has to say to the church. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, See, the home of God is among mortals. He will dwell with him. They will be his peoples, and God himself will be with them. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Mourning and crying and pain will be no more. For the first things have passed away. And the one who is seated on the throne said, See, I am making all things new. Also, he said, write this, for these words are trustworthy or true. Then he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give water as a gift from the spring of the water of life. Our Gospel reading from this morning comes from John. Chapter 13, 31 through 35, page 938. Again, listen for what the Spirit has to say to the church. When he had gone out, Jesus said, Now the Son of Man has been glorified and God has been glorified in him. If God has been glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself, and will glorify him at once. Little children, I am with you only a little longer. You will look for me, and as I said to the Jews, so now I say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. I give you a new commandment, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also should love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. The word of the Lord. Let's go to God in prayer once more. O Lord, our God, our rock and our salvation. 
May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing to you. May your spirits move upon us that we may hear what you have to say to us. Amen. I remember reading the book of Revelation repeatedly when I was in late elementary school. My interest was sparked by one of those, those terrible magazines that you see at the checkout counter. I think it was Weekly World News. You all know the one I'm talking about. It was the, the black and white magazine that always had headlines like, Bat Boy Escapes from Secret Government Facility, or Jesus, or, uh, Jesus or, or Elvis Spotted at Burger King Parking Lot. Um, call, uh, Garden of Eden, found in Colorado. Things like that, those absurd headlines. Another popular headline for them was, the book of Revelation predicts the world will end on so-and-so day. And little, little me doing my due diligence, I thought, man, I want to know more about this. And so I went home and I read the book, of Revelation. I was enthralled by the, the bizarre imagery of the book. There were dragons and women riding on seven-headed monsters. There were talking lambs. There were thrones. There were earthquakes. There was an epic battle between good and evil where good wins and, and Jesus has a sword coming out of His mouth. I didn't understand any of it, but I loved the imagery, I loved the drama of it, I, I had no idea what any of it meant, but I loved it nonetheless. I kept hoping that if I had read it enough times that I would gain this understanding, this insight into the end of the world that apparently the authors of Weekly World News had gained. If only I had known at that point that none of what was written in that magazine was true. But I, was, I had a period where I was obsessed with the book of Revelation. Fast forward 15 years or so, and I was fortunate enough to attend a seminary where our president was a renowned scholar, and one of his fields of study was the book of Revelation. In seminary, I came to understand John's Apocalypse as a complex book that is rich in imagery and metaphor intended to give hope to the persecuted church of the first century. John's understanding of the universe is so vastly different from our own that in order to even begin to understand the meaning behind these dragons, these monsters, these earthquakes, and the lightning from the sky, we must first forget what we think we know about the way the world works, and certainly what we think we know about heaven. Unlike us, John is not operating with the baggage of 2,000 years of invented cosmology and mythology surrounding heaven, hell, and the denizens thereof. Now we know that the earth is not eternal. 
At some point, we know that the Earth's natural resources will run out. Scientists tell us that the sun will probably burn out in a few billion years. We know that the Earth is not naturally eternal. Many of us believe, however, that surely heaven is eternal. It is, after all, the dwelling place of God. But we see in this morning's reading that John is told, is shown, that God creates a new heaven, a new heaven, as well as a new earth. Okay, so a new heaven and a new earth. Sounds pretty good. Seems like a a, a good start. It makes sense that God would create a new earth, one that's not polluted by industrial waste and sin of humanity. It's a tangible reminder of the fresh start that we will have when that time comes. A new heaven sounds good, too. I'm sure God has His reasons for that. And then, what's this? And the sea was no more. Wait, what? I like the sea. Why does the sea have to go? I like water. Why does God hate water? Of course, God doesn't hate water. Water is used throughout the Bible as a metaphor for life. It plays a huge role in the Christian life due to its necessary association with baptism. We need water to survive. God doesn't hate water. But in order to understand why John says that the sea is no more, we have to understand the role of the sea in the Bible. In the Old Testament, the sea represents chaos. When we look at the creation story in the first chapter of Genesis, many Western Christians read that. And we we have the starting point of creation from nothing. That God created the world out of nothing. The Hebrew tells a different story. The Hebrew indicates that God created order out of chaos. Some English translations catch this if you know what to look for. The NRSV translation for Genesis 1-2 reads, The earth was a formless void, and darkness covered the face of the deep, while a wind from God swept over the face of the waters. The Jewish Publication Society, let's see if I still have it here, the Jewish Publication Society translates verse 2 as, Now the, un- the earth was unformed and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God hovered over the face of the waters. The sea is chaos. The Spirit of God hovered over the face of of the waters over the chaos of the unformed earth. And that spirit hovers 
over the chaos before God begins God's creative activity. The Genesis 1 account is less about God creating the world out of nothing, but it's, about, it's more about God creating order out of chaos. Throughout the Old Testament, chaos is the enemy. Isaiah prophesies that God will destroy the Leviathan, a sea monster who represents chaos. Throughout the Old Testament, the sea is a metaphor for chaos, an enemy to God and to God's creation. When we look ahead to the early chapters of Revelation, we see that the beast who represents evil rises from the sea that represents chaos. The sea that at the end of Revelation is no more. Chaos is the enemy of God and God's creation. We are told that our bodies age due to entropy. The chaos of the universe that seeks to undo all of creation. Entropy tears down our walls that we build and it tears down our bodies. Paul writes that the final enemy to be destroyed is death, but he's only half right. Death is a product of chaos that works against God and God's creation. And after death is destroyed in chapter 20 of Revelation, God comes for chaos. The sea is no more. Heaven and earth are remade as they should be without the entropy and chaos that mars God's good creation as it exists today. Through the resurrection of Christ, God conquers sin and death, but the resurrection is just the first fruits of what is to come. The full harvest to come is when God drives away the old heaven and the old earth and creates a new heaven and a new earth. The full harvest comes when the sea gives up its dead and then the sea is no more. The full harvest comes when chaos, when entropy is eliminated and all that is left is the glory of God and God's good will for creation. In some ways, John's apocalypse is just as much the gospel as, well, the gospels. Yes, it's full of terrifying imagery. Yes, it's full of destruction and disaster. However, in the end, evil and terror don't win. In the end, destruction and chaos don't win. In the end, death doesn't win. In the end, God wins. And isn't that the gospel? In the end, God vanquishes the enemy of God and God's creation and begins a new creation. One where all things are made new. A creation where there will be no more tears, no more pain, no more death. And isn't that the gospel? Ultimately, the gospel is that God is the beginning and the end, the alpha and the omega. Ultimately, the gospel is that death, pain, suffering, and chaos only exists on borrowed time. 
The gospel is that through the glory of the resurrected Christ, a change in this world has begun in which these evils no longer have the final say. The book of Revelation, despite its terrifying imagery, despite its bizarre metaphors of dragons and seven-headed monsters and, and earthquakes and the sun burning out, it's still the gospel. And that gospel is that the things that plague us today, the death and the fear and the hunger, that those things don't have the final say. That the time will come when God says no more. And thanks be to God for that.